Hey, in today's episode, air all interviews on Yelp. We discuss the ethical conditions of leaving reviews online. Former royals exposing details to Oprah. The cautionary tale of Richard Jewell and why teeth don't decompose. I'm Moshe Shomra. This is the Chavrusa Podcast, an exploration of timeless wisdom and ideas that have guided some of history's greatest men and women for over 3,000 years. question was asked, is it moral to leave a review about an Airbnb experience that was a negative one? Or similarly, a restaurant. You went to a restaurant, you had a bad experience, and now you want to leave a review on Yelp, on TripAdvisor, or you get an Amazon product very common companies they ask for the reviews they've got an email etc to leave your feedback now you're leaving a negative review this is going to be open to the public perhaps harming the person's business on the flip side maybe it's immoral not to because there are other people that may use this Airbnb in the future. They may go to this restaurant. They may buy this product from Amazon. And if you don't leave your negative review, then what if they have that same experience that they lose out on their uh, hard-earned money or vacation, whatever it is? That was the question. Now, initially, my thought was to leave this for a mailbag episode, which would typically be over the weekend, either on Friday or now, more commonly on Sunday, because with Friday being Arab of Shabbos, the day before Shabbos, and the day before Shabbos is at times busy, hectic, and Shabbos, uh, somebody once said, it's one of the great uh, rabbis in early America in the 1900s, Joseph Bersalvechik, once remarked that in America, Jews have Shabbos. But what they left behind is Erev Shabbos. They don't have Fridays anymore. Friday's so busy and so hectic that they missed out on the heart of what Erev Shabbos is. Erev Shabbos, the excitement and the anticipation. I imagine somebody, they wake up the day of their wedding. They're pumped. They're pumped. Now, they're also busy and they got a ton of things to do and they're running around and getting everything in order and everything. You try not going to be perfect, but you try to make sure everything's perfect and the suit and the, the shoes, the haircut. But um doesn't always turn out that way. Um, but but there's a there's a eagerness, there's an anticipation. The person is you're zoned in. And that's really what error Shabbos is supposed to be. That's what a Friday is supposed to be. So what was I saying? Oh, so that's why um typically we do it on Sunday or or Matzah Shabbos Saturday night. Uh, to give it a little bit more time, allocate towards Erev Shabbos to get into the zone. Uh, but because of the headlines today, I figured it was prudent to push up the episode and record it now. Headlines of Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, and a sit-down interview with Oprah. A very far-shared Far-reaching uh, interview shared all over the place. 
Um, full transparency, I did not watch the entire interview. I saw a couple of snippets, but not enough to really uh, offer an opinion on the actual material offered. But I got the general concept of what was going on. I think it's very prudent to this answer of the Airbnb Amazon Yelp review question. When it comes to negativity, particularly in speech, and generally negativity in a broad sense, there's a very uh, interesting and profound thing. If you notice that everyone across the spectrum, so you have somebody that's super, uh, super spiritual and they're super into Torah, for example, and you have someone that's super into staunch secularist. Both of them, and everyone in between, would agree strongly that negativity is a vice. Negative speech, it brings down the levels of not only the conversation, but just the, the relationships. If people are talking ill behind each other's backs, it brings down the trust, it brings down everything that, that makes relationships, communities, families, friendships strong. So everyone agrees on that, and on the flip side, everyone struggles with it. It's 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 hard. It's hard because it permeates so much of our interactions, and even on something as as common as you would think. Oh, hey, what do you think about that uh, new shop that opened up? And what do you think of the new uh, boyfriend or? whatever the the new baby and these commonplace examples of all conversations if a person isn't aware there is so much in there there's so much in there that could quickly turn into a, a negative inference and, and spotlight someone's flaws or even just somebody's perceptions that aren't bringing out the seeing the best in, in another person so Here's something that universally is prioritized as something that should be elevated. It's also something that is so commonly non-elevated. In Torah, in Halakha, in the Jewish way of life, this whole concept of, of speech and positive speech, uplifting our speech, elevating, refining it, refining our speech, could fall under the rubric of Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara is Hebrew for bad speech and we're enjoined by the Torah to refrain and avoid any bad speech and therefore all our speech will have a constructive uplifting elevating element so in our most basic conversations and in our deepest conversations and our private conversations and our public conversations could be lifting up the rhetoric in society, lifting up our relationships, lifting up ourselves in the process. In Jewish mysticism, the great Kabbalists point out and explain the symbolism why teeth are the last, longest lasting thing in the human body after the human dies. So the soul lives on, but the body decomposes, and the last thing remaining are the teeth, which is why you want to find 
This is in the opening episode of Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock, where they dig up the body to solve the crime and all that's left is the teeth and they find out that it was really somebody else that was buried there. Our teeth is, is the way teeth records you could find out but after everything else is gone, teeth remain. What's what's going on there? Why is that? Yes, because our words, not only, not only will it uplift relationships or downgrade relationships in ourselves and communities and families, but it also has such a lasting impact. So not only in the short term and as it's happening in life, but down the road, one comment, one negative slight, one perception of a new roommate, of a new friend, new classmate, that could change the trajectory of that relationship for the next four years in college or for the next 10 years when you're in the job together or the next 30 years when this person's in the family. So it has such a long-lasting effect. The teeth, the mouth is that that reminder. That's the, the, the lasting nature of it. It's also, if you look in the Talmud, the Torah teaches, if you look at the human body, biology, the only limb in the person, the only organ, limb or organ, that its natural state is horizontal. Everything in the human is vertical. The only thing that's horizontal is the tongue. And the Talmud teaches that you should keep it asleep, keep it laying down, unless you have something positive and constructive to say. Then... It could awaken, but its default state should be, I'm not going to share it unless it has a constructive, positive purpose. When it comes to Meghan and Harry going on an Oprah spill all, talking about their experience and what negative occurrences happened to them in their past couple of years and their interactions with the royal family. And when it comes to any of us, when we drop a podcast episode or post a picture of a story on our stories on Instagram or a snap, whatever text message that you say or a conversation you have with your friend, everything we do has a, has a goal, has an aim, has an idea. And if we're mindful of that and we think about it for a second, like when you post an image on your story, so you're not posting some random picture of a door. Right, but it's it's you're trying to either convey an image about yourself, put yourself show yourself in a certain light, or convey an idea and a message. And once you have that defined, it becomes clear and it becomes a simple rubric as to a decision making process. Should I post this or not? Is this goal, is this image that I'm trying to convey, is this idea, is this fact, piece of knowledge, is this something Positive? Is it constructive? Is it something that will help people? Or is it something negative? That's automatically should be the number one thing to think about. So if you're just going to spill a secret and share something negative and make people, cast people in a negative light just to make yourself feel better, that would be a, quite a negative thing to do. On perhaps even a, a more pertinent level, something that's obviously very relevant, is somebody that listens, somebody that 
goes ahead, processes, listens, watches an interview like that, or listens to a negative report about something, or slander, or a joke about somebody that casts them in the light, or something as benign as, oh, she's so annoying, oh, I don't like her this, or what he, how he uh, talks or walks, or it could be something very benign, how he eats. The listener, the person that accepts that information, not only, not only are they doing something in a, in a sense already just surrounding themselves with negativity, but they're allowing the negativity to exist in the first place. If you, if there would not be a crowd to listen, to tell all thing, or, or look at any of these tabloids and gossip uh, magazines, if there wasn't a, a readership, if there wasn't an audience, they wouldn't be printing it. It wouldn't be a, a industry. But the fact that, that millions of people are, are watching this, it's a, uh, forget about the people that are, are producing it, but the, the consumers is more worrisome because it's so widespread and that's what allows the message to happen. It takes two. That's the, the idea in, in Halakha. It takes two for Lashon Hara to exist, for negative speech to exist because you need the speaker and the listener. And the listener, not only are they doing something wrong on their on their own part, but they're enabling, they're enablers for the people that are doing the negative speech in the first place. And this is aside from the, from the whole concept of relying on the information, even if you listen. The fact that you're getting a report about a conflict from one side is never a good idea. It's never a good idea. Because even if things seem so clear and evident from the way you're hearing it, you're hearing it from a filtered perspective. And it's it's unreliable. It's unreliable. Because when a person has a negative experience, unless they're worked on themselves, they're a worked on person, they've built up the character that they could separate their own experience from their objective opinions, which is a super high level. If you recall back to the episode that we had on rabbis, we talked about this process. But to, to reach a level where you could separate your own feelings and your own emotions from your own opinions, that, that's, 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 that's high. So when you're hearing from somebody that's not on that level, so you're hearing the person's opinion as expressed through their emotional and through their experiential occurrence. So bring it back, let's say, to the Airbnb, to the Yelp, to the restaurant review. Someone says, terrible service. Terrible service. The food was bad. The waiter was bad. The weight was bad, etc. Is that objectively what happened? Is it possible? Sure. But is it terrible? Is that 100% honest? If it's not, that's Lashon Hara. That's negative speech. Unless you could say, and this is one of the the laws of Shodah of, of refined speech, is that you have to be sure that you're not exaggerating in the slightest. Because an exaggeration, even if it's even if it's based on, on the truth, but if it's exaggerated, that in itself is bad. It has to be no exaggeration. And also, that you're not venting. That you're not getting caught up in your emotions. That this isn't coming from uh, an emotional space, but it's coming from a purely constructive space that you want to help this, uh, another customer down the road. Because if that's the case, if a person is coming and they're not exaggerating and amplifying their negative thing, and they're not ranting, they're not trying to get it off their chest and get back 
at the person that that did this. Then not only not only should they speak out, not only can they speak out, but should, they should speak out. It would be the moral thing to do in order to help other other consumers in the future. If it was a, an objectively bad experience, then that would be something that you would want somebody else to do that for you, right? If you if there's a really bad experience that you know you see some of these restaurants on Restaurant Impossible, I think is the show. I'm, I might be getting the name wrong, uh, but like these restaurants where they come in and bring in the restaurateur, the chef to come, the Gordon Ramsay to to see what's going on, and they go into the kitchen and they're pulling out frozen meals and microwaving them, and there's there's dirt all over the place, and they're taking out this moldy whatnot and just cutting off parts of it and throwing the rest in a plate and in the microwave <laughs> like there are some objectively bad restaurants like you see on these shows fine maybe these are very unique cases and it makes for good uh reality shows but that's something like that it would be a mitzvah it would be refined uh, that you'd be enjoying that would be positive speech you're helping uh, somebody else down the road or you see somebody about to go into business partnership with somebody that you know is not trustworthy so don't go don't be a tzaddik now a righteous person oh i don't talk bad about anyone you would have to tell your tell your friend or you see somebody going into a uh a marriage or a relationship right they're dating someone and you know that this person has really bad flaws there there's something there that the information may not be out there maybe the person has a checkered past that you know the person's hiding and that is going to be a problem that will manifest in the marriage later on and the person's getting duped and it would be something that objectively is, is good to know then of course that would be positive speech and, and required speech and you can't stand by idly while uh, somebody is, is subject to that but you have to make sure you're not exaggerating and you have to make sure that you don't have any personal biases towards that person because then maybe it's your biases speaking and you're just you think you're objective but you but you're biased it's a hard level to attain to be mindful of everything we speak and i was reminded of my own inquity in this area a friend recently reached out to me and he said he lives in new jersey where i was living six years ago and he said he went to a tailor or he, he got a new suit and he was bringing it to a tailor he's looking up a tailor to bring it to and he saw that i had left a review a negative review about that tailor and he was calling me to thank me for uh warning not to use that tailor now <laughs> i had completely forgotten about it but six years ago i bought a suit and i brought it to a tailor and i felt that the tailor didn't do the job that should have been done wasn't up to my standard and the tailor felt that it was and started yelling at me in the store in front of all the customers that it's my fault i'm bad i'm a perfectionist i why did i give it to him in the first place if that's what i wanted and basically calling me out and i was not embarrassed because it was publicly but i was upset it was a good suit it was nice it was 
wool, nice fabric from Italy. It was, uh, I think it was right before Passover, actually. New suit for Pesach. I want to join in royalty. And in my review, I went back and I looked back at the review after he told me this. And it was it was pretty scathing. It was, I, anytime you leave a one-star review, right, and one of these one-star reviews on, on TripAdvisors and, and Yelps, and you see the uh, the memes, right? Come <laughs> the smart uh, business shop owners. They put out these billboards. Come and try the coffee that, according to one Yelp reviewer, is the worst coffee ever in the entire existence of the world. <laughs> so, somebody like that, there's clearly an exaggerating, rantful element, and therefore, yeah, like <laughs> it's hard, and we can't always get there. And, and we see the, the ramifications and the reach of, of our you know, simple reviews that could affect some of these business six, down, six years down the road. And maybe I should have done the review, and I don't think that I was wrong in that case, that at the end of the day, there were, the seam was, you could, it was see-through. It was supposed to sew up the, the, the seam in the, in the pant leg, and it was see-through. So it was objectively a bad job. So I'm not like regret. I, I don't regret that I left the review, but how I left it. I left it in, in at a time that I was still upset about it, and it and it came out through the review. So yes, it's tough to be mindful of our speeches, but maybe, maybe an idea is to take ten minutes of a day, to take evenings, to take one day a week, to say like this is the day. I'm going, or these are the five minutes, the 20 minutes, the half hour that I'm going to be mindful about my speech. And I'm going to try, in, at least in this half hour, at least Friday night, I'm not going to say anything that, or before I say anything, I'm going to be mindful of what I say. And then eventually to build on that, and another five minutes, and another 10 minutes, and eventually till it becomes second nature in our, in our minds to only awaken our tongue when we have something positive, that's constructive, that's going to help people, that's going to guide people. And on our receiving end too, not only not to speak, but also to be aware in those five minutes, in those half hours, of not being on the receiving end of any of these type of conversations. Not to accept somebody's report. And it's hard to do because once you hear when, when somebody says, oh, she's so annoying, it's hard. Because once you hear that, it's hard to really work on yourself to get to the point to view the person with a completely open mind and open heart. But in those times, we should do that. And when you have these tell-all interviews and things like that, to realize what what's happening here is that there's negative speech that's given full carte blanche access. And you see anytime somebody's upset about something and yelling about it and ranting about it in their stories, to try to really get to a place where that doesn't stick with us. And that, no, I'm not going to change my view on this person just because you said you don't like her. And because you said he's annoying. It's a super high level, but bit by bit, minute by minute, time after time, and slip up after slip up, we could continue uh, to become more mindful, to become more refined, and more positive in our relationships in ourselves, in our families, in our communities. There's a tragic story. Richard Jewell. It's made into a film, 2019, Clint Eastwood. 
produced. Richard Jewell, a security guard during the 1996 bombing at the Olympics in Atlanta. We are Richard Jewell, a bomb explodes, a backpack, somebody alerts law enforcement quickly clearing the area. Bomb soon explodes. And at first, Jewel was hailed as a as a hero for noticing the package, noticing the backpack, and calling the cops. And blast killed a woman that injured over a hundred people. A cameraman died of a heart attack as he was covering the explosion. And he was a local hero. He was meeting with the Speaker of the House of Representatives, the Senator from Georgia over there, all shaking his hand, thanking him as the hero for, for saving countless lives. If he wouldn't have been as astute to have noticed the package, the, the carnage could have been infinitely more... I don't know how to pronounce that word. Uh, more, uh, more loss of life and injury. It could have been horrendously uh, tragic. So he's a hero and he gets interviewed on CNN. Great stuff. That night, a former employer of Jules, president of a college in North Georgia, is watching the interview and he calls the FBI and he tells the FBI that he used to work for me. And he'd been forced to resign. He's not a good guy. Making him a hero. I'm suspicious. A couple of reporters get wind of this. And they blast it on the headlines. Breaking news. Richard, Richard Jewell suspect in the case. Hero turned suspect. The FBI was under pressure to find the suspect. This was a big deal at the time in 96 at the Olympics. And... Corner Jewel and using tactics, they pretended that they were making a training tape. He's a hero, so he's going to help prevent this in the future. You don't need a lawyer. And basically, they, they let him on, let him on until they, they, they trapped him trying to trick him into a confession. And the news reporters at the time became the megaphone for this, this trap that was being set for Jewel. And instead of calling him, perhaps a, a person of interests in the case. They called him the villain. The villain. There wasn't nuanced. It wasn't su uh, subtle. But it was being reported all over breaking news, thousands of reporters, that he's a notorious villain that set the bomb by himself, placed the bomb there, and then called to try to make himself look out of here. The truth is, Richard Jewell was not the bomber. Not the bomber. They only found it out much later when there were other bombings using very similar pipe bombs in a, in a backpack outside, a nightclub outside, um, clinics in Atlanta and Alabama. And they finally found uh, the, the real culprit, a guy named Eric Rudolph. The Christian terrorist who hated the, quote, New World Order. He hated abortion. He hated Olympics. That's why he was targeting all these places. At that point, though, 
Jewel's reputation completely besmirched, completely in the ground. He dies at the age 44 after months of failing health. Completely isolated, completely maligned by national media throughout the country. Never got his reputation back. After the film came out in, in 2019, it's titled Richard Jewell. One of the reporters at the time, his name was Henry Schuster, he came out and he wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post. He said that he was a reporter at the time and he got swept up with it and he decided to sit down afterwards to write a letter, at least some sort of apology. And he wrote, Dear Richard, I owe you an apology. And by the time he set his mind to deliver the letter, profusely apologizing, he had already died and passed away. And in his op-ed, he cautions all of us specifically reporters, but all of us, not to just accept things as we hear them, not to have relentless fact-checking before going to print. And even then, it's not always enough, but it's how you report it, how you say it, how it's being said, because even afterwards, his name wasn't cleared immediately, because it wasn't portrayed that way, and it wasn't given attention and spotlighted it. And maybe it was snuck in somewhere in the back pages, but it wasn't on the headlines anymore. And he ends by exhorting us to own up to responsibility to finish the letter. And the truth is, even if he got the letter in time, what would the letter have done? Yeah, you could apologize. But you can't get it back. You can't get it back. It's the teeth. It's the teeth that it's always lasting. Once you put it out there, once you say something, it's out there. It's there. It's existing. You can't take it back. You can't take it back. The great sage of Israel Mayor Kagan of Rodden, who spent his whole life traveling and, and encouraging people, both from educational perspective on, on the nuances of negative speech, of positive speech, and also from an inspirational side to really try to inspire people to work on it and encourage it. And somebody once came to him and said, Rabbi, I'm inspired, I'm in, like, you're so right, this is so vital, it's so necessary, it's so, and, and this is what the Torah says, so of course I want to do it, but I spent, you know, the past years of my life, I haven't been so mindful of what I've been saying, what I'm not, what can I do to get it back, like, should I go and apologize, what should I do, so Rabbi said, will you do whatever I tell you, yeah, sure, okay, take a pillow, go to town square, and smash the pillow against the, a pole, a light post in the town square. Okay, Rabbi, if that's what's going to atone, that, that's all I'll do. And he goes, smashes it, comes back to Rabbi, says, what do I do now? He says, now go back and all the feathers that were inside the pillow, go and gather and, and restuff the pillow. And he says, oh, that's impossible. By the time I get there, all the feathers have been swept up and who knows where they are now. He says, exactly, that's what happens when you speak. That's what happens when you speak. Now this, Richard Jewell and this guy, wasn't in a negative sense, but it, it's the same in the flip side and the positive side. When you say something, you give a compliment to somebody, you, you lift somebody up, you reach out to somebody, you could completely uplift them. Not only in the moment, but in the future, and their kids, and their grandkids, and 
their friends and when they share that idea that you said it's unbelievable the impact the far-reaching impact of our words thank you so much for listening to this episode of the harusa if you enjoyed before you even subscribe and rate it five stars and review and all that and listen to the other episodes please reach out to me let me know your thoughts connections, ideas, questions, critiques. My number is 347-893-4467. Chavrusapodcast at gmail.com or across social media channels. Thank you. Have a wonderful day overflowing with happiness.